Good afternoon, one and all. Um, thank you so much for being here. I'd really be alone if that was the case, if you weren't, but I'm really appreciative of you being here. And last week, uh, Jenny Fulton, who spoke uh, on Psalm 63 last week, she concluded our time in the Psalms, and John and I have decided we're going to extend it. So anyway, thank you for that, Jenny. Much appreciated. Um, as we said at the church meeting in April, uh, John and I will be speaking on the subject of God and money later this month. However, for the next two weeks, we thought we would stay in the Psalms. So, we're at Psalm 146, um, and you're probably going to have to keep this open as I speak, because we're going to work our way through it, by and large. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirits depart, they, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Hey, you get the gist of that one, do you? Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, so a um, couple of summers ago, Des and I were on holiday with Des's sister and her husband. We went to Cyprus and we rented this house for a couple of weeks. The house had a patio on the back there and... Um, it was very nice. It's really nice. And uh, they had a carport, and there was this uh, long hose uh, that came out the carport onto the patio. And Des's sister is one day there, and she got, you know, she just had a little bit of dust and dirt on her. And she said, Oh, I'm just going to wash this off and put the hose up here. And she asked me if, she could, if I could turn the hose on. It's one of these lever things, you see. And I just went, Whoosh, you see. And that's exactly what the water did. It went whoosh. I mean, I mean, it was full bore. Full bore. I'm glad it was Des's sister and not her. I tell you. Anyway, you know, you only go on holiday with them and that could be the last time, so that'd be all right. But anyway, it was just full on. And, uh, and she laughed, which was really helpful. Not everybody appreciates that sort of humor. I understand that. And that's what this psalm is like. That is the essence of this psalm. You know, I will praise the Lord all my life. I will praise the Lord as, as long as I live. Full on. Can't miss it. Now, Phil Greenslade, he's the author of a book called, on psalms called Songs for All Seasons. So he pulls out winter songs, i.e. psalms. 
and spring psalms and summer and autumn psalms, all seasons of the soul. And he, and he classifies them in this, he classifies this one, Psalm 146, this is a summer psalm. Irrespective of the climate outside, you understand. You know, it's a song of celebration. It's a hold nothing back psalm. It starts with praise the Lord. It ends with praise the Lord. Do you like that phrase, praise the Lord? Let's say it together, shall we? Praise the Lord. You're pretty good first time. Let's go again. Praise. Oh, you're even better second number. Excellent. See, it's, it's just a full-blown Psalms have got everything in it. I tell you, it, it, they have desperation, they have lament, they have pain, they have the ups and downs of life, the, the roller coaster of situations and circumstances. Seriously, they have searingly honest, revealing confessions of guilt, then coupled with great depths of forgiveness and rescue that come with that. I mean, it's just, it's the whole spectrum. For all, all the seasons that you and I go through, the Psalms cover it all. And these ones, these are called the Hallelujah Psalms. That's the Jewish word for praise the Lord. That's what it means, you see. And there's five songs, one after the other. 146, right the way through 150. They all start with praise the Lord. They all conclude with Praise the Lord. And that, that's it. That's the Hallelujah Psalms. What, what a way to end the book on Psalms. I mean, it's like a great liftoff. This is how to do it. So Spurgeon, who was a 19th century preacher, I mean, he preached to tens and, or thousands and thousands of people. A brilliant, brilliant man. And he says, he says, about this, he says, we are now among the hallelujahs. All is praise to the close of the book. The key is high pitch. The music is loud sounding cymbals. Oh, for a heart full of joy and gratitude that we might run and leap and glorify God as these psalms do. I mean, in other words, it's just sheer, open, joyous praise. This is our reason for being. Our raison d'etre. This is, Christians, this is what we were made for. For worship. So I want to cover three aspects. Just fairly quick. Okay. I want to cover in here. There's a proclamation of praise. There's a priority of praise. And there's a provocation. What, you know, what provokes Praise. So I want to pick up on that. So let's start with a proclamation of praise. It's a public announcement. That's what a proclamation is. It's exactly what you saw yesterday. You know, the birth of um, William and Kate's child, the royal birth, and, and the town crier comes down and he goes, uh, whatever it is, oh yay, oh yay, and he announces the birth, proclaims the royal birth. He doesn't do it quietly. He doesn't whisper it. It's loud. It's right out there. It's what you were doing just earlier on. And we were proclaiming the goodness and greatness of God and who he is and, and what he's done. He, it's, it's public and it's right out there. Now the generally accepted view is that this type of proclamation is exuberant. It's exuberant. 
And it's boastful. It's excited. It's gut-bustingly loud. I don't know if that's a word, but I've used it. It's gut-bustingly loud. Nothing's withheld. Full on. That's the nature of this psalm. Have you got that? Somebody once said this. He said, to, you know, he said, what fills the heart fills the mouth. What's down in the well will always come up in the bucket. If you want to know where your heart is, listen to your words. Notice that the psalmist speaks to himself. So he goes, praise the Lord, O my soul. Come on, soul, do it. Praise the Lord. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, he said this. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? The psalmist, the writer, talks to himself. There's nothing flat. There's nothing lukewarm. There's nothing apathetic. Well, perhaps I will, perhaps I will. There's nothing like that. He is resolute all of my life. As long as I live. This is whatever the season. Be it summer, winter, spring, autumn. We need a sense of resolve. I remember as a young Christian... We used to meet in his house church. I can see myself now. And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there on the uh, edge of the city. And there's worship going on. I, I can't tell you what, sort of, what, what it was like, but everybody else was involved. But I wasn't. And I just sat there. And um, I said, do you know what? I just didn't feel in the mood. I just didn't feel in the mood. Oh, I don't feel like it. So I just sat there. And then I, this sort of discussion started to go on. And it started with Neil. I, I felt the Lord was speaking to me. Uh, Neil, um, Neil, have I changed? No, you haven't changed. I, I, am I still Lord? And I'm going, yeah, yeah, yes, you're still Lord. Am I still Lord of all of your life? Yeah, you're Lord of all of my life. Am I still worthy to be worshipped? Now, that was the question. And then I stopped, and I thought, oh, my goodness me. I am worshipping on my terms, and he is Lord to be worshipped. It was a really eye-opening moment for me. You know, Worship is not just what we do. Worshippers are what we are. I am a worshipper. Do you know what? We diminish ourselves by withholding praise to God. But when we worship, we, we become expanded. We get full stretch going on. So, you know, we were well led this morning in worship. You did realize that, didn't you? We were well led I recall a time in a church not far from here, and I was leading a meeting, and I'm much younger in those days, and I, but I, I didn't lead the people. I didn't lead the people that morning. I drove them. I pushed them. I really, I was really strong. Do you know, I got them out of their seats. I got them walking around the building, 
and praising God and shouting out praises to God. I, I just got them all moved. You see, get up, let's get up and praise the Lord. Let's walk around this building. And uh, I didn't give anybody any room to opt out or whatever. It was right in there. And uh, do you know, even now I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I cringe. I won't do that to you. And I'll have a word with anybody who does. Because it was the wrong context. If you want to do that, don't. It's just the wrong context, you know. And uh, just think, I'm just thinking, I think, what about the person who brought somebody to the church for the first time? Oh, my goodness me. Anyway, I don't think I've ever apologized. Yes, I did. I did apologize for that. Anyway, this is not good. We were led today, not driven. And... um, a uh, senior pastor had a couple of calls, phone calls that afternoon. <laughs> Did you know what? He was very gracious to me, I have to say. But this psalmist here is full of resolve. Nonetheless, he's full of resolve to worship the Lord. And this is not about your personality or your temperament. This is about what we are. This is who we are. This is what we do. We praise the Lord. God's people praise the Lord. Do you know a key expression of praising God is through singing. It doesn't matter. Listen, I don't don't care how out of tune you are. As long as you're not leading us, don't find me that. But I don't care how out of tune you are in your seat, and neither does the Lord. And my friends, you will find there's a whole lot of singing that goes on in here. There's singing in bad times. There's singing, singing in good times. There's singing before warfare. There's singing after warfare. I mean, it's, it's just full of singing. It's just full of worship. Do you know, and if you have a little peek into Revelation, what it's like in heaven, you'll realize we're just practicing. It's just full of it. And it's so full on. It's wonderful to read. It's, it's, it's marvelous. So in addition, let me just say this, Uh, uh, just on this point. It's deeper than merely helpful music. Or music that affects my feelings. This worship, this praise, it strikes a chord deep in me. It's it's often at the resonance of truth. When, when When I'm singing truth... And I go, he breaks the power of cancelled sin and sets the prisoner free. It gets me going because it's so true. And then, uh, you know, it's grace and love like mighty rivers flowed incessant from above. You know, the truth comes. Yes. It says a yes and an amen in my heart. It explodes in me. You know, the joy we see in the happiest child, just think of the happiest child, is but a fraction Of the joy that is in the heart of God. Let me read this to you. This is a man called G. Chesterton. This is what he said. He said, says, Jesus came as the joy bringer. The joy we see in the happiest child is but a fraction of the joy that resides in the heart of God. And he writes, Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. 
they always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. That's a brilliant piece of writing. Such, such an insight, my friends. Worship is not just what we do. Worshippers are who we are. Absolutely key. Now, in this psalm, there's not only a proclamation, there's a, um, there's a priority of praise. So if you follow verses 3 to 5, you see he tells us where not to put our trust and where to put our trust. And so he says, don't put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. In other words, get your priorities right. Everybody worships. Everyone. It's, but who do you worship? And what do you worship? You know, in ancient times, the deities, the gods, were bloodthirsty and hard to please. In the year 2015... They still are. The gods of this day will take you for all you have. They'll suck you dry and leave you empty. That's what they do. Whatever your God is. I just want to show you at this moment. And it may be for some this is an education for you. But this is an unforgettable moment in rugby history. And I know many of you may not be rugby fans. But you need to see this. Because it is one of our most brilliant moments ever. It's the 2003 World Cup final. It's in Australia. And England are playing Australia. And we're down to the last 30 seconds of the match. It's in extra time. And the score is tied. And then this happens. The match look headed for sudden death extra time. However, Wilkinson had one last chance to win England the World Cup. And England staying composed here. Wilson still in place for the drop goal. Australia come back. Here it is for Johnny. Has he done it? He sure has. Heartbreaker for the Wallabies. Seconds remaining. And that surely is the stairway to rugby heaven for England. Sensational. Johnny Wilkinson off his right foot, his unfavoured right foot, three points. Woodward thinks he's got it. Look at Wilkinson, his composure. He knew it as he hit it. (laughs) Is this it? And England 
has joined Sir Alf Ramsey's Immortals of 1966. I just never Nick get tired Jones, of seeing it. I never, never get tired of seeing it. Okay, thank you very much. I, I delight in monotony. I love that. I love to see it again and again. And uh, it's, I mean, it was massive, absolutely huge. There was so much noise in my house. I felt sorry for the neighbors. There was so much noise in my house, I had to tell Des to quieten down. I did. So. Now, Johnny Wilkinson, who scores that drop goal, was quoted by one newspaper as saying that within 24 hours of winning the World Cup final, he felt a powerful feeling of anticlimax. He said, I did not know what it is to be really happy. I was afflicted by a powerful fear of failure and did not know how to free myself. You know, last week Jenny was talking about the God of success. And it can be a real adrenaline rush. But I'll tell you this. It'll, it'll, you'll have your adrenaline rush and then it'll suck you dry. And the gods of this day, they are no, good, no different to the gods of previous days. They leave you absolutely empty. They're just as hard to please. You know, the gods of this day are education and their money and, and all those things. They, are, they will just bleed you dry. They are, the gods of this day are happy families. But you find, you find, you know, your children will not always dance to your tune. They won't always do exactly what you want. It's not always like that. So it says, don't trust in princes. So that, of course, doesn't mean Prince Harry or William. It's, it's mean, it means those who are hugely significant. That's what it means. You know, for some, the idol factory of their life is the longing to be married. And I've seen relationship ruined by possessiveness, where the person... The prospective wife or husband-to-be is seen as a means to an end rather than a person themselves. I've seen this many times. The truth is, my friends, it doesn't matter how significant a person is. We're all human. We have an immense capacity to disappoint. The writer knows this. And that's why he say when their, when their spirit departs, they return to the grave. It's gone. Some people not only feel grief at the loss of a loved one, sometimes they feel anger towards them. How could they leave me? How could they abandon me? What about all the things we were going to do together? What about that? Do you know that's really, I just, that's so understandable. Things and people cannot hold the sheer weight and significance of your life. You're wrong to ask it. There's too much about you, too much complexity, too much intricacy. There's too much depth to you, an individual person, just too much. Do you know what? We struggle enough to understand ourselves. How can we stick... The, on, on, a, on another person, the reason for our meaning and happiness, plonk it on them. We cannot do that. We were not meant for that. 
We were not meant for that. We can't do that. Only God can bear the weight of your life. Only God can do that. That's what he does. If you move from person to person and, and they've disappointed you again and again, only God can take the sheer weight for your meaning and happiness in life. Only God can do that. If you do that to others, you will crush them. And you will wipe them out with disappointment. They were never meant to carry the weight of your life. That is God's concern. Get your priorities right. Don't trust in princes. Put your trust in the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob. Now that's a God. Jacob was the Dell boy of the Middle East. You wouldn't buy a second-hand car, let alone camel, from Jacob. You wouldn't do it. I mean, he schemed with his mother. He lied to his father. He cheated his brother. Oh, he's a nice guy. You'd love him in your small group. And that would be a test. I mean, he's not got a great CV, this guy. I'll tell you. Read his story. His marriages are a mess. His family's a disaster. And God calls himself the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and never blinks and says the God of Jacob. Well, I pin my, I pin, I pin my name to this man. You know, it's, it's one thing to be called the God of Abraham and Isaac, but Jacob, <laughs> wow, that's a God. Jacob is a f- serial fraudster. <laughs> he just really is. And it's God who turns him round. He never gives up on him. He sticks with this man. When Jacob can hardly be said to stick with God, he always wants God on his terms. It's God who builds a nation from this man. And his family. It's the God who will put his name to Jacob. Now that's a God worth following. Amen? That is a God worth following, my friends. Someone you can trust. One who's worthy of praise. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. You need to get your priorities right. No wonder this is a hallelujah psalm. So you've got proclamation and a priority of praise. And then there's the provocation of praise. And he starts with creation. And it's verse 6, the maker of heaven and earth. <laughs> it is stunning. Could we just have that picture up here? Um, I, listen, I know we live in a fallen world. I know people are, uh, are fallen, you know, broken people. But our, our world is broken too. And yet, in spite of that, there is just sheer, there's just sheer wonder in our universe. In 1977, could you just pop that up? 1977. A Voyager 2 left Earth. In 1989, Voyager 2 got to the end of our solar system, which is 2.8 billion miles. That's in 12 years. It had taken 12 years to do that. Long after sending signals, it will still be traveling through space. In the year, this is 40,176 It'll pass close to Ross Star. We're in the year 2015. In the year 40,000, it'll pass Ross Star. And, uh, and then in the year 296,036, I don't know, it's just huge numbers, aren't they? It will be 4.3 light years away from the Sirius Star. But that... That, that is just huge. 
It's all right, Brian, don't worry. It's, I mean, just a minute. The sheer magnitude, the sheer magnitude of our God that he would create such wonder and most of it we can't see. That's stunning. Isn't that the extravagance of God? The extravagance of him. So, he doesn't, you know, 90,000 species of birds, millions of varieties of insects, never one snowflake the same. This is our God. So, not only do we have a responsibility to praise, but we have the privilege of praise. You know, verses 7 and 8, my friends, this is what he's like. He upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. Ever been there? That's you. That's me. We've been in this place. This is what he did for us. You know, we, we were dead in our sins, Ephesians tells us. Objects of wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. It's by grace you've been saved. Hey, nothing to do with you. It's the grace of God. How wonderful is this? Oh, God, don't ever forget, my friends, from where you have come. Don't forget that. Jesus' first sermon is this stuff. Spirit of the Lord is upon me, anointed me to preach good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, release the oppressed, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I mean, that's his first sermon. I mean, this is important. This is God's calling card. We're talking about manifestos, Labour Party, Lib Dems, and I tell you what, this is a manifesto. This is God's calling card. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. And the expectations of gods in those days was they always connected to those in power. So three wise men go to Herod, find out about the birth of King Jesus. And he knows nothing about it. But the shepherds get the invite. What is God like? He likes the poor. He loves the oppressed, the needy, widows, fatherless. Those who are not native born to that country or to this country. He loves those people. This surely provokes praise. Can I have the band up here at this moment? Surely this provokes praise. Does it not? This is his calling card. The weak, the vulnerable. Why so much them? Because I tell you, they're more subject to injustice than anyone else. Hallelujah for what our God is like. This is God's calling card. This is what we're going to do as we finish. What, this is absolutely fitting that we would praise him.